Pino Paso, River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studio. Here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back. Sports Talk ready to go here as we've got two hours, 30 minutes with you. Excited about today's show. Hey, I got to start off by saying thank you to Dr. Kenneth Henry and his uh, media class at Penn State University. I had a chance to join them for about an hour this morning. Took a ton of great questions. Awesome online class from Penn State. It's his media class. Second time I've done it. Absolutely loved it. So talked a lot about the business, about radio, about marketing, about media, everything you might imagine, Adrian. It was a, a fun way to start the day. And it was great too because somebody was yawning on the uh, on uh, you know on the Zoom before we started, and I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, it's 10:30 in Pennsylvania, it's 8:30 in El Paso. I'm the one that should be yawning, not not them. But uh, it was uh, they they were pretty captive and uh, just a lot of fun to talk to. That's great that they were also receptive too, and they ha- asked questions and stuff like that. It's always great when you get a chance to talk with uh, kids who are excited about the business, fired up about the business, and also have questions and are attentive uh, a- as a result of your presentation. Honestly. Say it's one of my one of the things I look forward to uh, when I get a chance to talk to uh, this kind of uh, you know this kind of group, and I've done it before at UTEP and other schools. And Dr. Uh, Kenneth Henry is great, and we appreciate uh, the opportunity to do a little bit of that. All right, let's start it off right now with Jay Jaffe. He's going to kick us off from Fangraphs.com. Normally, Jay joins us on Wednesdays, but uh, we made sure that we could accommodate everybody for today, and uh, we'll talk a little baseball and beer with Jay Jaffe to get us going here on a Thursday afternoon uh, with Sports Talk. First off, Jay, good to have you back. It's uh, always great to uh, to hear from you. And I'm happy that as we are in September and less than a month from the start of the playoffs, you have been busy writing at Fangraphs. Uh, one of the stories you wrote about was the Rangers and Corey Seager and how well he's doing even though the Rangers are sliding. And, Jay, this is a concern. They are just – they got pummeled by the Astros pummeled and um if you are a ranger fan and there's plenty in el paso jay um right now you wonder if this slide is going to put them out of the wild card race in the american league which would be a total disaster given their season uh, up to date yeah look it's 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 kind of a shock i mean they've had uh, unfortunately uh, some injuries that have uh, destabilized their lineup um, they lost Jonah Heim for a while, and then they've lost uh, uh, Josh Young, and the latter isn't back yet. Um, he was having a really nice season, and uh, uh, while Ezekiel Duran did a very good job of filling in for Corey Seager when uh, at, at shortstop when he was out, uh, Duran just hasn't hit uh, nearly as well when he's been filling in at third base for uh, um, uh, for Young. So. Um, that's been part of it. And just about everybody in the lineup besides Seager, uh, you know, has has seen a downturn in their offense. But Seager, I just I'm just kind of in awe of his season. And I just really noted um, that uh, he finally has enough plate appearances to qualify for the batting title in terms of batting average, and also uh, in terms of WRC plus, our advanced metric that uh, um, puts uh, his whole production on this scale. He's uh, in a virtual tie with uh, Shohei Otani in, in that one. So really, just hitting the not out of the ball, and it's, it's, it's quite impressive. Was Seager also one of the players that people thought at the beginning of the year would thrive because the shift was banned? Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, in fact, um, my friend Mike Petriello did a piece to that uh, uh, on, on that topic 
uh, over at MLB.com, uh, which is linked in the piece that I wrote. If you're if if people want to look for it, but those are mostly concerns, you know, the you know infield singles and whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's hitting the ball so hard that uh, um, you know this has a, a, an impact on on uh, uh, on his entire game. More power. Um, he's one of the top five or six in terms of average exit velocity and barrel rate. Um, hitting the ball, uh, I think, about three miles per hour harder on average than last year, which really shows up in the stats. And uh, um, last year he was a bit unlucky in terms of how well um, his results matched up with how hard he hit the ball. This year um, it's it's completely representative, and, and, and that just makes it all the more impressive. How about last night? A couple of former Mets battled against each other, uh, Verlander against Scherzer, and Verlander was terrific, as he usually is. Max Scherzer showed uh, again yesterday why the Mets uh, wanted to dump that salary and, and just get rid of him because they feel like maybe the days of dominant Mad Max are just a thing of the past. Yeah, Scherzer's been falling apart this year. He had some. He's had some neck and back problems, and and uh, um, you know, it just is. It has not been a uh, uh, a great season for him. He's he's looked good at times, but he's come up short at times. And he'll be the first to tell you that uh, um, you know that this isn't up to his standards. And, and you know, last night it was was just another one. I mean, it was a marquee billing. Uh, but by the time I got to tune in, it was eight to two and. It uh, seemed like the ball was flying out of the yard for for both uh, uh, for both teams, but uh, for the Rangers, they just could not afford uh, to get swept, and yet there they are swept. Uh, I'll tell you what else: uh, losing Adolis Garcia to a right uh, patellar tendon strain is another huge blow to this team as they're trying to uh, stay in the race because Garcia is consistently a good home run guy. He's got 34 this year, 100 RBIs. And when you're already without Josh Young and now you're without Garcia, even if Seager plays out of his mind, you just got to have more guys that can, that can hit the baseball. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, you know, there's, this is not a one man, you know, a one man game. You can't, you, you can't just keep, Throwing the ball down low to Seager and, and 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 expecting him to do all the work, um, you know they've they've got some good they've got some good hitters. Marcus Semien uh, obviously is an above average hitter for a second baseman. Uh, Nathaniel Lowe, um, but yeah they've you know Garcia has been a key you know a key component in their lineup. Leads the team in home runs, and if they're going to be without him, uh, that's that's a problem. And uh, um, you know, they're just going to have to find other ways to get it done if they want to stay in this. Let's keep that same exact topic going now that Julio Urias um, has, in fact, been put on administrative leave yesterday, three days after he was arrested on suspicion of felony domestic violence, which, by the way, it isn't the first time for Urias. And here is a guy that's 27 years of age, um, given the Dodgers uh, pitching woes this year with injuries and other things, 11 wins. His ERA is not particularly strong, but they've been relying on the, the, the lefty, uh, and without him, you wonder the kind of blow this could have on the Dodgers. And also in the same subject as we've seen with other members uh, of Major League Baseball, um, namely Wander Franco, will Julio Urias even pitch again in the big leagues? Yeah, we don't know that. We, there's, we're, we're very short on details on, on what actually happened. Um, you know, he was arrested on suspicion of uh, I think it's a felony corporal battery, yeah. um, but he has not uh, been formally charged yet, and uh, that will come later this month. I know I know this stuff a little bit more than I need to because my wife uh, uh, edits for the Athletic, and she's she's been uh, dealing with the coverage there. 
Um, so there's a lot that's 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 not known. But um, you're right. You know, this is this is uh, his second incident. He was uh, suspended for 20 games in 2019. Um, at the time he that he uh, um, was suspended and returned, he was very contrite. Uh, he was uh, prescribed uh, uh, for 52 weeks of, of counseling. Um, he's you know unlike many of the other players who have been suspended, he seemed to say the right things. Um, you know, when in response to to uh, uh, the incident, and and it did seem like a you know comparatively. Um, Minor incident happened in public. He pushed his, I think, girlfriend, fiance down. I believe it was in a parking lot. Now, I don't want to minimize it here, but um, you know, compared to some of the violence that we've heard about in, in some of the other in, in some of the other cases, this seemed like, you know, it was, uh, um, you know, not as serious, you know, but certainly worth uh, uh, worth the suspension. But the, the hope was that he was beyond that and that he could, uh, um, you know, that he'd learn from his mistakes. And you know, if, if these allegations are true. Uh, then, then obviously that's not the case, and he will probably, um, as a second-time offender, draw a significantly longer suspension, um, even if uh, uh, you know th- than he would have if this was a first offense. He would be the first player suspended twice for this, and he's almost certainly thrown his last pitch for the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and who really their their rotation is just running on fumes. I mean. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, his velocity was down in his most recent start. He's pitching through an unspecified shoulder problem. I suspect it's probably a loose body in there. They're saying, um, you know, he's he's just going to try to gut it out. Um, they lost Tony Gonsolin for the year to Tommy John surgery. Uh, previously had lost Dustin May to Tommy John surgery as well. Um, they're rehabbing Walker Bueller from his second Tommy John surgery. Um, he's uh, if if he returns. It would be the fastest return from a second surgery in quite some time, which has me quite nervous because and not no, nobody comes back from Tommy John surgery a third time, and yep. this seems very risky given how hard he throws. Um, you know, for him to be going out there uh, this soon for a second time. So yeah, the Dodgers are in dire shape, and I think when this is all said and done, I suspect that between um, Rios's, uh, uh, subpar performance this year and and this issue, he may have just cost himself probably a two hundred million dollar contract when it's all said and done because no he was going to be the, uh, uh, the the top pitcher on the market uh, if he had been able to replicate last year's performance. But you know that's secondary. It's uh, you know it's it's a real disappointment because Dodger fans I know have been uh, um, you know looking to him as 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 one of the key pitchers on that team for you know for for years. He got the last out of the World Series in 2020. Uh, brilliant performance there, but uh, now that becomes uh, a lot more bittersweet knowing uh, what's transpired for, from him since then. Dodgers are still 84 and 54. It's amazing with all the injuries and everything they've dealt with that they're 30 games over 500 and they've got the fourth best record in baseball. It really is pretty incredible. Uh, Jay Jaffe with us here from Fangraphs.com. Before we get his beer pick of the week, Yanks have won five in a row, Jay. Five in a row. They called up the Martian. He went yard at Yankee Stadium. They've got uh, Austin Wells up as well. Yankee fans are dreaming. They're six and a half back of uh, the wild card spot here at September the 7th. Are they still alive in this one, or should Yankee fans uh, just, uh, you know, come to realization that despite the five-game win streak, this team is not going to be uh, getting hot and going to the postseason? 
Yeah, it, this is a lot like 2016, when after they effectively waved the white flag and started playing the kids, they had a nice little dead cat bounce. Um, our playoff odds show them as having a 1.1% chance of clinching a wild card spot. You're, you know, I think you're wasting your energy if you're, if you're expecting them to get up off the mat and uh, get back in this. But that said, they're a more entertaining team right now. Uh, than they have been in quite some time, thanks to the arrival, especially of uh, Jason Dominguez, uh, long-hyped slugging prospect who has hit uh, three homers in his first five games and uh, uh, really has been a lot of fun. I don't know that uh, – um, I certainly don't expect he, that he's going to sustain that kind of home run clip um, but uh, uh, because, because nobody does, not even Aaron Judge. But, uh, um, you know, there was some question as to whether he was ready for this, and right now he is – uh, he certainly looks it, and that, that's a pretty tantalizing prospect for Yankees fans. Uh, so this is all about getting a start, you know, a good start on next year, and hoping that uh, um, you know that they can move forward with this youth movement and uh, uh, minimize their dependence on these fragile veterans like um, DJ LeMahieu, who, to be fair, has had a nice uh, little run lately. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton, who just hit his 400th home run, but has been largely a disappointment this year. Um, uh, and, and Anthony Rizzo, whose season uh, is done uh, due to uh, post-concussion uh, syndrome. Jay, let's wrap it up. Beer pick of the week. What are you going to profile for our listeners? Okay, this is one. Gee, where put it here? Uh, this is a this is a Hellas Lager that I got uh, from. Uh, it's called uh, Grand Royal, uh, which made me think of the Beastie Boys. Um, Pulling up the specs on it, I've had it before. I can't even remember if I'd talked about it on this show before. But uh, this is a Munich-style pale lager, uh, brewed with European malts and, and noble hops. Uh, really nice, crisp, five uh, percent ABV session-type beer in a 16-ounce can. Um, it's another style that uh, the Hellas Lager is another style that I've come to appreciate. Not you know similar to a Pilsner, but not quite the same. Uh, but certainly fits in there in that, in that uh, um, good summer beer, uh, session beer type style. And uh, um, if I could get this uh, every week, I, I would I would seriously consider it because it's a nice addition to the to the fridge. Looks like it's from Oxbow Beer out there in uh, in Maine. So uh, yeah, that's, that's a- right. It's uh, yeah, they, they they do they do uh, some excellent lagers. They have an Italian pilsner I like a lot and. Um, you know, basically, anytime they come across in my case, I'm uh, uh, I'm looking at them, thinking, yeah, it's probably time for some of this stuff. Good stuff. Hey, listen, Jay, appreciate your flexibility. Thanks for coming back with us this week, and we'll do it again with you here next Wednesday. All right, sounds great, Steve. Thanks a lot, Jay Jaffe, kicking us off on the show. We got a lot more in store for you. It's going to be a packed broadcast, folks. So many guests, we can't even keep up with our 600 ESPN El Paso Roto Rooter Hotline. It started with Jay Jaffe. It's going to move next to George Willis, but we'll do that right after we say hello to Charlie One and get this traffic update. Well, Stephen, the El Paso Metroplex, we have a crash on the east side, but this is your shopping area, Viscount and Gerald. So caution here. A lot of uh, traffic congestion here, Viscount and Gerald. Then, where are we tapping on the brakes? I-10 West and Red. Then, the reason being that there's a lane closure at I-10 West. The transbound starts slowing down the traffic there on those westbound lanes, reaching down to Red. I-10 West at Red with some sluggish traffic. Even the even the CD lanes are going on tonight. There's a closure going on. 
Global reach, uh, Yarbrough from Walter Jones, Edgemere, full lane closures, north and southbound. That's at 9 p.m. This update brought to you by Leo's Restaurant, 7520 Rimcon. Leo's has a full-service bar, famous tortilla soup, the flautas, fajitas, gorditas, chicken, and mole, much more. And go miners for Leo's Restaurant, 7520 Rimcon, Charlie 1-600, ESPN El Paso. All right, 22 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Man, I am super pumped about having our next guest on the program. I've met him numerous times over the years, usually in Vegas at some of the biggest boxing events uh, over the last 25 years. Um, 
He has roots in the area because he went to school at New Mexico State. In fact, he credits Joe Mensch as being one of his mentors and went on to write for the New York Post forever. And now I find out he's doing a CUSA uh, weekly newsletter, which uh, is why we want to have him on to talk a little CUSA football. He is none other than George Willis, who joins us live here on the program as we continue. George, welcome back to the show. And I would never guess that you would be coming on to talk a little CUSA uh, with us because uh, throughout the years, uh, it was New York sports, it was boxing, and now you can add CUSA to the resume. <laughs> yeah, I guess you can, Steve. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, it's good to be back, especially beyond be on in El Paso. I've got some deep roots there as well. I grew up uh, in Las Cruces, so I spent... Uh, a lot of time in El Paso where the drinking age was 18 back in the day. So I uh, took uh, full advantage of that. And uh, but just, yeah, happy to uh, be part of this uh, Conference USA newsletter, uh, newsletter that we're trying to uh, develop. And um, so far, so good, I think. How about this? How about the fact that you chose to do this the year that your alma mater gets into Conference USA and becomes a uh, conference rival with UTEP for like the first time since 1962 or something like that? It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about that? And that's one of, one of the uh, main reasons why I wanted to get involved. I actually live now in Aventura, Florida. I left the New York area about a year and a half ago. So uh, trying to establish some roots here. And, uh, you know, not only am I a graduate of New Mexico State and have a lot of familiarity with uh, Texas El Paso, of course, uh, but I'm about 20 minutes from FIU. So I've been out to their practices a little bit and uh, saw that maybe this conference was a little underserved when it came to, uh, you know, creating news content and finding a hub for, uh, information that, that might be a little different than what's already out there. That's what we're trying to provide. I love that. Um, let's talk first about how our listeners can find the uh, the newsletter. What's the easiest way for them to do so, George? The easiest way is just to uh, go to uh, the Facebook page and do a search on Conference USA Today newsletter. You should be able to find it there. Uh, the newsletters, each newsletter has a uh, subscribe button that people can uh, click into, put your email in there, and you'll get the uh, newsletter uh, when it's produced. We're trying to get it out there two or three times uh, during each week, and uh, as we develop, I'm sure that the goal will be easily attained. Uh, what we're trying to do, actually, Steve, is to get students involved in this. We've got some great schools that are involved in the conference, um, I've been uh, very fortunate in my career to cover a lot of big events, to be a journalist, a sports journalist, and fulfill my dream, so to speak. And what we'd like to do is to maybe get two or three students from each of the member schools uh, to participate in the newsletter. And uh, for that, they'll gain some inside experience from professionals like myself that have been in the business and can mentor them along the way as they become a journalist. So uh, that's some of the things we'd like to do as we develop this newsletter is make it uh, benefit the students 
at these universities. Man, I love that. I absolutely love that. So they can go on the Facebook page, click the link, hit subscribe, and from there connect with you if they want to have a chance to contribute. Yes, and we'll also be reaching out to the sports information offices and the journalism departments at the various universities to see you know, which students they might recommend or which students they think might be a, a good fit for what we're trying to do. That's kind of how I grew up. Uh, working in sports information at New Mexico State and uh, writing a lot of freelance stories for the Journal and Albuquerque Journal and places like that. And I'd like to uh, try to develop so those kind of opportunities for uh, the students at the schools today. Yeah, George, I love that. I think that's fantastic. So uh, we'll give that uh, Facebook out a little bit later in the show and let people know how they can connect with you again. But that is really, really good news. Meanwhile, we're two weeks into the season, and uh, most teams won. But, uh, you know, UTEP has already played twice. Jacksonville State has already played twice. And um, other teams like Florida International uh, have already had a couple of games under their belt along with the Aggies. So you tell me. Two weeks into the season, what have you learned about Conference USA compared to what you were expecting heading into the season? Well, I think, number one, there's a lot of good football out there. There's a lot of good football coaches that are out there. Rich Rodriguez at Jackson, uh, Jacksonville State and, and Jamie Chadwell over at Liberty. I don't think he's going to be there very long. An outstanding coach. And, uh, you know, these coaches have brought in a lot of uh, pretty decent talent. Uh, you know, you saw, uh, obviously, Western Kentucky's got the quarterback everybody's excited about in Austin Reed. And, but there's a lot of good players out there. I think FIU debuted their freshman quarterback, uh, Kenyon Jenkins, and he had a great game. So there's a lot of interesting players, a lot of offense in the league, it looks like, uh, a lot of points being put up. Uh, spread offense seems to be pretty popular. But it's a good brand of football. It's fortunate that uh, we're going to be able to get to see some of it either on uh, ESPN or the uh, CBS Sports Network. George, it's real interesting that we're talking CUSA and specifically two new members in the conference like Jacksonville State transitioning from FCS to FBS. And the talk about those two teams going into the season by a lot of national prognosticators is, hey, it's going to be an adjustment. It'll take time for these two teams. But look at what Jacksonville State does in their first FBS game. They knock off UTEP. Look at what Sam Houston State did last week. They took BYU down to the wire, and it was a really competitive game all the way through. So I think uh, what we learned, at least early on, is these two teams right there, the learning curve might be a little easier for them versus what people thought uh, going into the season. And I think when you look at the effects of the portal, uh, you know, back in the day when you got a scholarship, you stuck with a school, and whether you played or not, you kind of were there for the duration. But uh, a lot of these teams are revamped. They've had almost 50% turnover. And so you get a new... Uh, it's almost like a new team every year. And you have uh, kids that are eager to play football. Maybe they didn't play as much where they came from. Uh, maybe they're in their last year and they want to add to their uh, the possibility of getting drafted. So you have a lot of kids that are eager to take the field and eager to be coached and eager to play and to play on television as well. And, and I think that's add to the uh, competitiveness of the league from top to bottom. And you have a lot of players that are in the same category. You know, you don't have uh, these uh, power five athletes that are going to dominate, but they're all maybe just a step below that 
and they're all in the same sort of grouping, and that makes things very competitive as well. And, and like I said, you've got some pretty smart coaches out there as well. More with uh, George Willis as we continue here on Sports Talk. But first, let's send it right back to Adrian standing by with this Sports Center update. All right, Adrian, thank you very much. As we keep things moving uh, here on Sports Talk, uh, George Willis joins us right now. He's a man who has created the CUSA Today newsletter. That's right. You can follow George on uh, Twitter or X at G Willis Sports. That's at G Willis Sports. All right. And by the way, I, I noticed uh, you didn't go out and buy a check mark. Good for you, George. I'm proud of you. You've kept the tradition alive that the rest of us have. <laughs> That's good. I don't think I'm quite important enough to have a check mark by my name. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can if you give uh, Elon, uh, what, 10 bucks a month. You'll be all set. So. Look at it that way. Verify myself. That's right. By the way, I think I have to go change my fantasy uh, lineup for tonight. Already got to worry about uh, who's going to play for me. That's awful. Yeah, the Travis Kelsey news is not good. That is uh, that is for sure. But it does Breaking mean a whole bunch of lineups. Yeah. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt about it. Hey, uh, meanwhile, I-, I looked this week at at Conference USA, and I'm looking at some of the games uh, that are scheduled. And obviously, around here, all eyes are on UTEP Northwestern to see if the Miners can win against a Power Five school for the first time in in program history. They're still favored. It's now down to a point, though. It was one. It was one and a half. Now it's UTEP minus one out there there in Evanston. But uh, the Aggies have a tough test against Liberty. That's going to be a challenge. Uh, FIU with North Texas is going to be a big one also here this week coming up. And, you know, you look at some of those games in particular, and um, I'm interested also to see how Sam Houston uh, handles Air Force. So, as you said, there's some good football being played, and we get to see early on in the non-conference portion about how a lot of these teams can, can handle themselves. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you got a few teams like FIU trying to settle in at the quarterback spot, and that's going to be important for them because I think they have a, the, they have a pretty good defense, the Panthers do. They, they just had to, to rectify their quarterback situation after the first week the, the offense was terrible, but I think they've, they've probably solved that with Jenkins, and uh, I'm sure he's going to have a pretty good year. You just hope he kind of sticks around after this season. Yeah, you're but, right. Yeah, a lot of good games. The Miners... Uh, See if they can uh, stomp on Northwestern right now, a team that's really beaten up and down off the field and apparently on. So, But I'm really excited about the uh, NMSU Liberty game. That's going to be a big test for the Aggies going into Lynchburg and trying to uh, duplicate what they did last year. Uh, I think those are two teams that uh, need to measure themselves and kind of see where they're at early on, and I think that's going to be a, a terrific game. I do, too. Um, I don't expect much from Northwestern State against Louisiana Tech, but I want to bring up Tech because they've got uh, Hank Bachmeyer back at quarterback after coming over from Fresno State. Uh, he joins them, and so far he's thrown for almost 600 yards uh, in a pair of games. And, and I'm interested to see, as La Tech tries to climb back up, if Bachmeyer is the kind of guy that can, can really guide them to a winning season this year. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, they had a tough, a tough task last week, and and uh, you know, it they they played pretty well for a, a while. Uh, you know, it looked pretty good for them, but uh, you know, they lost to SMU thirty-eight to fourteen, and they got down thirty-one to nothing. But 
I think that's a team that's going to develop as the year goes along. Uh, they've got a pretty good quarterback, a lot of experience there. So I just expect them to get uh, better and better as the season progresses. We know about Western Kentucky. You touched on them earlier. You also talked about Liberty and uh, and, and how well that uh, you know they've they've looked out of the gate. Give me a sleeper. Give me a team that is not on the radar right now in this conference that you think, when it's all said and done, can surprise some people. Hmm, good question. I probably would go with La Tech. Uh, you know, based on on what I just said. Uh, but I, I'm going to go with FIU because I think they, you know, not much is expected of them in the preseason polling. They were last or second to last. But I think they have the kind of team that can that can really bond together. They've got uh, this young, dynamic freshman quarterback who's a local from here in Miami area. I think the community is going to start to rally around this team a little bit. And I think there's going to be a little excitement around FIU. Now, they might not, you know, become bowl eligible. I think that's, that's what they're certainly trying to shoot for. But I think that's, that's, you're looking for a sleeper team. I think that's, that's a team people need to kind of just keep one eye, eye open for because I think uh, they've got a pretty good defense. And that young quarterback looked uh, like he can play some football. So I would go with FIU. George, uh, taking a bigger, you know, taking a step back right now, we've watched two weeks, really just one full week of college football action so far in the conference. But when you compare last year's teams, those that departed, with the teams that are in right now, and you kind of look uh, toward the future, what do you say to the naysayers who could simply uh, continue to look down upon Conference USA and, and maybe overlook this conference or suggest that it's not that great of a conference to begin with? Well, they're not, they're not looking, uh, you know, close enough. There's a lot of intention on all the big schools and all the Power Five schools and, you know, the Big Ten becoming the big, I don't know how many now. Uh, but like I said, there's a lot of talent being, being developed now at a younger age. Uh, you have a lot of athletic academies, a lot of uh, different companies and places that develop high school players. Uh, my youngest cousin is a freshman at Utah, uh, cornerback Smith Snowden. And to watch him progress from, say, his sophomore year of high school in Utah to the point where he was recruited by, you know, more than a dozen schools, uh, and to see how many other high school kids were in that same track and going to camps and getting the private instructions and development there's a lot of that going on and a lot of these kids aren't all going to power five schools so what i'm saying is there's a lot of talent out there and i guess this particular time there's a lot of these teams in the conference usa that have a lot of talent a lot of good coaching and i think that's going to be seen over the course of time as they play ball on espn plus and the cbs sports network and if people aren't, they're not paying attention, they may not see it. But certainly there's a whole lot of outlets for them to understand that there's a lot of good football being played in Conference USA. George Willis has a brand new project that is out. You can search Conference USA Today newsletter on Facebook. When it comes up, 
Don't worry. I'm sure some people are going to be a little concerned here in El Paso when they see the New Mexico State Aggie Memorial Stadium as your profile pick. Understand, George went there. That's where he graduated from. So, you know, he he is an Aggie. He's an Aggie alum, but he's got friends in El Paso. He mentioned that earlier. It's a terrific new uh, site that you can check out by clicking on the links uh, through Facebook. Go right to him. He also said earlier he's looking to get people to help him out from each school. I love that project. I think that's going to be terrific, and I can't wait to see how the Conference USA Today newsletter continues to develop and, of course, we will have George back with us quite often during the season to talk CUSA sports. Are you still following boxing like you did? Are you still uh, going to all the big fights because you've been doing this for so many years, George? Uh, absolutely. Trying to get back into the the fight game. I went to uh, Spence Crawford and watched that uh, beat down uh, from ringside. I was a little surprised at how uh, Crawford dominated, but... Uh, you know, Crawford's just special. I'm not sure if the rematch is going to give us anything different. I know uh, Spence is trying to get that at a high, at the bigger weight, 154, I believe. But I don't expect that to be much different. I think Crawford's a really, really special fighter, and I just think he's he's got a little bit of his prime left over these next five years and to make a little money, and so uh, hopefully he does. But there's a lot of good boxing out there. Camelo, Charlo coming up. That should be a good one. So, yeah, I'm always going to cover the fight game in in some respect. Terrific. Uh, One last question. What is it like being uh, in, um, you know, Miami right now in that area and getting a chance to deal with uh, Messi mania as uh, he has taken the city by storm since uh, he joined uh, MLS? Yes, he has. I was fortunate enough to go out for his first game uh, here in actually in Fort Lauderdale and, uh, just tremendous. The, uh, the, the fan base that just has welcomed him here and the reaction he's gotten and going to supermarkets and out in public and, and just the attendance across the, uh, the, you know, where they're playing. So it's, it's, it's certainly something special, but it also comes on the heels of the heat having a lot of success and the Florida hockey team having a lot of success. And now the dolphins are getting underway and there's a lot of expectations about what they might be able to do. Uh, attended the uh, formula one races here. So there's a lot of things going on in Miami. It's crazy. It's huge sports town and, uh, I'm sure they're excited, uh, about the football season coming up and that's going to be a lot of fun as well. Man, you're living the life, George, let's be honest. I mean, Come on, you've got. Well, uh, fortunately, thanks to people like Joe Minch, I've been able to be involved in sports for a long time. So it's been a lot of fun, and uh, now we got conference a USA Today newsletter. I'm looking forward to it. Come back and join us. And uh, on October 11th, UTEP will be playing at uh, FIU in Miami on a Wednesday night. We're planning on making that trip and broadcasting live. Hope you can be there as well, so we can get a chance to see you in person. That sounds awesome. Look forward to it. All right. Take care, George. We'll talk soon. All right, Steve. Anytime. George Willis, folks. Great having him back here as we continue. 17 in front of five. Back with more Sports Talk. 600 ESPN El Paso. Only Lane Frank. I think you're up to 135 now. Is that right or 134? Where are we at? We're at 135. I thought so because you weren't with us last week. That would have been 134. What's that? It's coming out tomorrow? The Friday edition? Friday edition, a little busy on Tuesday, couldn't get my regular recording in, had to torment Eastlake.
Just in time for Shabbat. I like How that. How the tournament tomorrow also against Pebble Hills? Do you? I do. How's the uh, how's the tennis uh, season going so far? Really fun so far. Won both my matches against Eastlake. Won the doubles 6-1-6-0. Won the singles 6-1-6-0. Last week you were at the U.S. Open. Talk a little bit about that trip and what it was like for you. It was fantastic. Got to see some great tennis talent. Just a great experience all around. So describe it for me. Who'd you see when you were at the Open? I saw Ben Shelton play a lot. I saw one match of Novak Djokovic, but... Ben Shelton, so exciting. Saw him on the grandstand on Friday, and then I saw him at Arthur Ashe Stadium on Sunday. He is the most exciting player in tennis. He's exactly what tennis needs, and he's perfect for the game, I'd say. Is Ben Shelton the next great American tennis player? I don't even, have, I don't even think you have to say next. He is a great American tennis player, and now he's in the semifinals of the U.S. Open at 20 years old. But people didn't know much about him until now. But at he least just won the national championship. That's yeah, why. That's Okay, so, so you've been knowing about Ben Shelton for quite a while. He transitions from college right to the pros and is already making a big name for himself. Is it exciting for you that we've got all these great 20-year-olds that are, that are now, I mean, you've got Alcaraz, you've got Runa, you've got all these, now Shelton's added to the mix. A lot of very, very good tennis stars are all the same age. Yeah, it's definitely very exciting for the game. Now, um, when you said you, you saw two, so you saw two days at at, uh, at the U.S. Open. Um, when you go to the grandstand, are there a lot of people compared to Arthur Ashe Stadium? Yeah, there are a lot of people. Obviously, Arthur Ashe, that's going to be a full stadium. But grandstand, it's kind of more, I'm not going to say a better environment, but it's a little bit more fun, a little bit more outdoors. So it was a good experience. Uh, rowdy fans rowdy. at the uh, U.S. Open. Yeah, definitely rowdy Very fans. rowdy. Huh? Very. I like that. Now, good time. do you go for just one match, or do you try to see multiple matches in one day? So on Sunday, I went to a bunch of matches. I went to the morning matches at Arthur Ashe, then the afternoon matches at Arthur Ashe, a few uh, side courts, and then stay for the night match of Novak Djokovic. How does it work? When you get when you have an Arthur Ashe pass, do you have to go and have different tickets for each one, or once you're in for one day, you're in for the whole day? Once you're in for Arthur Ashe, you have general admission, Lewis Armstrong, um, Grandstand, a few other names, but yeah, great time. Oh, that's amazing. All right. So it sounds like you've had a lot of fun. And how many times have you been to the U.S. Open? My second time. Okay. Do you consider this a must if you are a tennis fan? Is this absolutely a bucket list trip? It's absolutely a bucket list item. I want to go to Wimbledon one day. That's kind of my bucket list item right now. But yeah, U.S. Open, great experience. Good for you. Um, by the way, who's going to win the uh, the Open when you think about it? Give me, the, give me your pick for the men's and, and for the women's draw. Hopefully, Ben Shelton. I picked Daniil Medvedev, the game tournament. He's still in it, so I'll roll with Daniil Medvedev. And then for the, the women's side of things, let's go with the American. Coco Goff, 19 years old, been pro for about four years now. I think she finally wins her first major. Coco Goff's fun to watch, isn't she? She is. Very exciting to watch. So I'm, telling, I'm sure the fans love her, too. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. Um, Show business. That's right. We've got um, a busy 5 o'clock hour. You're going to stick around. We also have Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com to give us his selections. But I do want you to mention what's going to happen in uh, episode 135, which drops tomorrow for Schoolyard Sports, the podcast. Tell me a little bit about it. Football, football, and then some more football mixed in there. I also announced my giveaway winner from the Caleb Williams thing, uh, the giveaway I did a month ago. But, uh, yeah, great time on episode number 135. Go watch it. College football, NFL. Get my predictions there. My Super Bowl prediction. Do you want me to say it? Yeah. I mean, why not? Let's go San Francisco 49ers over the Kansas City Chiefs. Minus Travis Kelsey tonight. Minus Travis Kelsey. Uh, will they still beat Detroit without Kelsey? Yeah, they could still beat Detroit without Kelsey. But it's okay. going to be a good game. And by the way, what did you give away? What was your winner? Tell me about this contest. It was uh, So I've been doing it for about a month. I always do a little giveaway on Squirt Sports every now and then. But uh, this one was a signed Caleb Williams Heisman football. Oh, that's awesome. Very nice. Who won it? 
Uh, just someone on Instagram randomized it. If you Did, get into the rules, that's how it goes. Is he from El Paso or no? Uh, I'm not sure where he's from. All right. Well, he's a winner. He's the winner. Good for you. Congratulations. I love the fact you're giving away cool prizes like that. Very nice. All right. Adrian, we don't even give away prizes like that. He's giving away a signed Caleb Williams football. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, we got like a Chihuahua's four-pack of tickets. Yes. He's got a Caleb Williams signed football. I love it. I remember last year we gave uh, Rob the Gambler the axe-throwing tickets after he beat me. That's, That's right. right. Yeah. We, we did. We did. And we after got to start. Hey, well, that was, you know, he wasn't thrilled about being called a degenerate on live radio. But, you know, we had to do what we have to do, right? So let's do this. We're going to come back. We'll talk to you a little bit later in the 5 o'clock hour. We, uh, next week are going to start doing our weekly picks with guests. Mm-hmm. I'm working on that, too. I'm working on lining up different guests to go up against you head-to-head every week. It'll be fun. It will be fun. All right. Uh, more with Lane as we continue. By the way, he's headed to the West Side Bowl. That's why he's in early. He's got to get there in time. That starts in an hour. So we'll keep things moving. 600 ESPN El Paso. Uh, is the host of the Schoolyard Sports Podcast. He's going to be back with us in just a minute. First, though, Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com, with the NFL season kicking off tonight. Excited about that. Lee is uh, back with us for another go-around. Last week, three and three in our selections. But, Lee, uh, you've been rolling all the way through the summer, and now it's your time of year because not only do you have the college season, you have the NFL season kicking off tonight. Yep. Uh, Finally here. Uh, Would love to have seen Kansas City, obviously, at full strength, but no Travis Kelsey for tonight. Uh, what do you think that does in terms of affecting the outcome of the game as far as the spread goes? Well, it, it's moved down about a point now. We're seeing a lot of it was four and a half most of the day. We're seeing some fours and even some three and a halves. I think it's going to settle at three and a half. And uh, tight end, he's pretty pretty darn big. It was six and a half a couple days ago, so he's worth probably close to three points. I don't know if we've ever seen a, a tight end that valuable. Uh, you got Sky Moore. You want to you want to activate him for tonight? Oh yeah, I think Sky Moore would be a great play, a yeah. great play. I agree with you there. Yeah. All right, let's get to the games we're going to be talking about. Starting off with A uh, and M in Miami, it's going to be Saturday one thirty from Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens. The Aggies are one and zero. The Hurricanes are one and zero. Right now, I see it A and M minus four. Um, this should be a fun one. Probably one of the games of the week, right? I don't know if we've ever seen a game with two five and seven teams where you can honestly say this is a must win game for either team Miami loses this game they're going to be like oh here we go again Mario doesn't know what he's doing but I watched one of the scrimmages I was impressed I thought they played well against Miami of Ohio I think they're starting to turn the corner you look at their team they have a look of an SEC team are they quite at you know, a top 10 level, maybe not, but I think that they're closer to a top 25 than they are, you know, uh, being 45 or 50. A&M, much improved. Last year they had a bunch of injuries. They had suspensions. There was dissension. Great hire of Bobby Petrino. Now Jimbo can be more uh, of an executive, and I think that it's going to be a marriage made in heaven here, at least for a year or two until Bobby wants to be a head coach again. But, uh Miami's not soft anymore like they were with Manny Diaz. I think it's a really tough test here. Last year, Miami actually outgained A&M, ran for 175 yards, but could do nothing in the red zone. I mean, 0 for 5 there, scoring touchdowns. They had to set up for three field goals, missed a field goal, had a field goal blocked here in uh, 
they had a they they committed the only turnover, a fumble punt from a backup uh, returner and safety Stevenson when uh, they had Restrepo out. He missed the game, and I thought that was big. I think A and M's going to have success throwing the football. I think that they're they're three. They got three absolute studs on the outside. All three of these guys will play at the next level. Evan Stewart's the number one in the NFL. Anaya Smith, one of those guys that can play in the slot, return kicks. And Noah Thomas, out of nowhere, he was a freshman last year, only caught, uh, played in four games, caught 51 yards of receptions. He is really good. Number three, watch him also. So one, zero, and three of their guys. Miami's cornerbacks are average, but I think Miami's going to be able to run on them some. I think if they have a weakness, is their weak side backer, number 24. And I think it's going to set up some decent passing situations. And where last year A&M had the home field advantage, I think it's going to be big for Miami here. Hard-fought battle. I'm going with Miami. Outright, 27-24. Excellent. We'll go to Alabama-Texas in our second game that we're going to discuss. Look, both teams are 1-0. I was surprised by Jalen Milrow. He looked good at quarterback yeah. last week. And now he goes up against the Texas team that uh, is definitely looking to uh, avenge uh, last year's game. They're seven-point dogs on the road. You tell me, is this the game that really Steve Sarkeesian's been marking down for a while that uh, could make Texas a legit uh, contender to go into the playoffs? Well, they keep saying that, that you know, that it's that they finally have turned the corner. I'm, I'm not so sure. And... You know, I think they, they've got problems on the offensive line. You've got to protect the quarterback. And watching that game last week, you know, I saw Quinn Ewers get hit, I mean, rocked five or six times. And if, if he's rocked by Rice, he's going to get really uh, big time beaten up by Alabama here. So they've got to find a solution. They've got to come together on the offensive line, pass block better. And they can't throw the ball deep. They cannot push the ball down the field. They are not completing passes by more than 15, 20 yards. And and then uh, how do you if you can't do that, you got to have a running game. And no B. John Robinson. They have a bunch of guys that are just okay here. So uh, I love what J- Jalen Milrow is doing. He's always been a good runner. Now all of a sudden he is really starting to throw the ball with a lot of accuracy. There's a reason why Nick Saban. Uh, there wasn't any talk of any type of quarterback competition here. Texas, they caught Alabama by surprise. It is not going to happen on Saturday night. Roll Tide, Alabama, 34-24. Lee Sterling with us, ParamountSports.com. I love that. UTEP and Northwestern, that'll be our final college game to talk about. Miners were a point-and-a-half point, and a half point uh, favorites, one-and-a-half, and it's down now to one, so that means there's been a little bit on Northwestern since uh, the Miners uh, jumped in uh, to the uh, favorite in this game. Originally, Northwestern was a three-point favorite, Lee, and then they played Rutgers, and as soon as that game ended, uh, it swung five-and-a-half points, or four-and-a-half points. So you yep. tell me, uh, Northwestern's lost 12 in a row. The Miners have never defeated a Power 5 school. In fact, this could be the first time ever they've been favored against a Power 5 school, even on the road, for that matter. What's going to happen here? Northwestern might be one of the worst Big Ten teams I've ever Watching that game last week was painful. I think it took three hours off my life, and I didn't have the game. I mean, I think I went to the kitchen like five or six times, hoping, you know, maybe something will happen. Maybe I missed something. I got to speed back, but nothing. I mean, they just have nothing. Their leading rusher gained 11 yards. 
I, I, the receivers, they get no separation at all. I, I thought Ben Bryant was going to be better. He was okay last year at Cincinnati. You know, when you don't have any targets and you're playing a pretty decent defense, and that was that's what Rutgers is, I'd say they're decent. They're not great, but they're decent. You can't do anything. Uh, I, I mean, it wasn't like they turned it over four or five times. They were lucky to score a touchdown at the end of the game here. So key is for you to run the football. Just don't make mistakes here. If they have to play by more than seven points behind either team, they're in trouble here. I think UTEP has the better running game. I think they have the better defense by a little bit here, and they might also have the better special teams. I'm going with UTEP. This is going to be a barn burner, 13-10. That's about right. They're going to go <laughs> under. I think Hey, I think 40, under 39.5 is lock of the year, right? 40 points is a total? Oh. How is each team going to get to above 20? I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. It's a good question. All right. Let's go to the NFL. Starts tonight, but we've got two games we're going to talk about uh, beginning Monday's uh, Buffalo Jets game. Uh, Buffalo, two-and-a-half-point favorites against New York. First time Aaron Rodgers gets to play in the regular season as a member of Gang Green. These are the two teams that are projected to be competing for a division championship. Lee, who do you like? What about the Dolphins? You left out the Dolphins. Yeah, there's a reason I left out the Dolphins, okay. Lee. You know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was hoping you would include the Dolphins. But Sorry. Sorry no about respect. that. None. Um, Zero. How about this? Aaron Rodgers has been an underdog, home underdog, eight times in 15 years. Guess what his record is? Say again, Lee. He's been a home underdog eight times in his career. What do you think Aaron Rodgers' record is as a home underdog? A home underdog. Home um, underdog. I'll say he's 8-0. Oh. Pretty close. 7-1. Ding, okay. ding, 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 ding. Uh, Rodgers is going to have some success, I believe. I told people last year, late in the year, I'm like, this Buffalo defense just not the same. Their linebackers weren't good in coverage. Uh, losing Trumaine Edmonds, who was their best linebacker, hurts. Von Miller, no Von Miller for the first four or five weeks. And I think their safeties are a little long in the tooth here. So I think they're going to have some success pushing the ball down the field. And I think the Jets' defense is top three in the NFL. They are that good. I think Quinnen Williams is going to be all over the field and breaking through that offensive line here. I hate to say it, the New York stinking Jets, 27-21. Yeah, as a Dolphin fan, that pains you. I know, I know. Yeah. Uh, final game, Dallas and the Giants. Uh, this one's going to be played uh, at night, Sunday night. It's the NBC game. Cowboys are on the road and they are three-and-a-half-point favorites over Big Blue. Brian Dayball did a really nice job with that team. That was not a talented team. They had the worst wide receivers in the NFL, maybe going back to last quarter century. They somehow pieced together a 9-7-1 record. He accomplished it also with a defense that ranked 28th in expected points uh, allowed, and... I just don't see them. I think they're going to be better. I think Daniel Jones has turned the corner. Barkley's a really good running back. They added a couple nice pieces on the offense and the defense and the line. But, you know, he only averaged Barkley 58 rushing yards per game the final 10 weeks here. They've become more of a passing team. And they went 2-7 and seven against playoff teams, including 0-2 oh against the Cowboys for a second straight year. There's just certain teams and the systems 
and they just own other teams. And I just think that Dallas owns the Giants here. They have their number here, um, 11-1 in the series since 2017. And even when the Giants scored 34 and 35 points, they lost game. So I like Dallas here, 28-20. Man, I love the Giants in this game, Lee. Yeah. I, I, oh, I, okay. I, I, a matter of fact, I'm thinking of, uh, of putting some money on the Giants to win the division. They're like plus 900 right now to win oh, the NFC 900, East. 900, I mean, I would yeah. take a shot, but yeah. – yeah. Philly, Philly is still so good. I know. So, so good. Now you're right. Let's talk Scary. about what you got on the website at ParamountSports.com. Your first 40-50 unit best bet is up, mm-hmm. not to mention your free play uh, for college, Oklahoma and SMU. Yep. So if you want to get Oklahoma and SMU, be one of the first 10 callers, 800-400-9741. We will give you Oklahoma and SMU on me, 800-400-9741. And how about this? We have a 45-unit best bet going for Sunday. Found the right matchup, the right situation. Weather looks to be good. You want to get this game. We are a documented 61-20 and 20 on these plays going back now the last 15 years on our best bet. So you want to get involved. We have what's called the September to remember. It is a total of four weeks from now all the way through uh, Monday, October 2nd, uh, four weeks of action. You're going to get generally about uh, 11 to 14 games a week on our executive phone service where we rate them from 10 to 50 units. How do you get involved? Use coupon code SAVE100 at ParamountSports.com. Just $297. Get four weeks of action. Love to have you come on board and give us a try. I think you'll be happy. Just one place, ParamountSports.com. Lee, good stuff. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for the time. Thanks, Steve. All right. Lee Sterling from Paramount uh, Sports as we roll through. Hey, Lane's back. We're going to pick up right where we left off, right after Charlie One, who has this traffic update quarter past here on a Thursday. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue. Lane Frank with us, back for uh, more fun. He is ready for this Coronado Franklin West Side Bowl at the Sun Bowl. Um, I had a question that came in from Chad. Chad wants to know, as he was listening in, um, he goes, are they still playing the West Side Bowl at the Sun Bowl? Or did they stop that because everybody started complaining that nobody else got to play in the Sun Bowl? The answer is, yes, the game is still at the Sun Bowl. And who cares that your school does not get to play your rival at the Sun Bowl? First off, I'm pretty sure that Coronado and Franklin pay pretty good money. To put that game at the Sun Bowl. It's the best rivalry in El Paso. So if, 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 so if two other schools locally wanted to pay the Sun Bowl, they could build that rivalry out there, just like the West Side Bowl has, right? Exactly. Now, here's my question. Should this game be moved to T-Bird Stadium and Franklin Cougar Stadium since they both have nice facilities on the West Side? Remember, the Sun Bowl was kind of the home of the West Side Bowl because Franklin never had a stadium up until recently. So now they have their own stadium to play do you think this should be a home-and-home home rather than a neutral site every year? I believe that would be a massive safety hazard. I think that's kind of why they put the Sun Bowl. Maybe too many fights to break out the Cornell franklin game. Really? If it was home and away. Yeah, you think there'd be fights? Are there fights at the Sun Bowl? Oh, oh, yeah. Hang on, Adrian's eyes there are just many yes. fights. Adrian's yes. eyes just completely is, lit up. Steve, there are people who do not go to the West Side Bowl for the West Side Bowl. They go for the fights. Seriously. Seriously. Every teacher in class says, be careful. 
Wow. I had no idea. Was it were they fighting when you were in high school, Adrian? Oh, they were fighting when I was in high school, before I was in high school, and while Lane is in high school right now. Did you go last year? Did not go last year. This is gonna be your first game uh for the for the West Side Bowl. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Are you more excited about the fights in the stands or are you more excited about the game on the field? I think makes more excited for the game on the field. Okay. All right, I'm just curious if that was sounds. I I did not realize this game gets that uh, this game gets that rowdy. Are there tons of cops and security at this game to break up the fights? Yes. Adrian, yes, there yes. are. All right, that's good. And you're sitting in the Coronado section. No, it's the student is the section, Coronado student section the press box section or the east side? Uh, good question. Press box. Okay. Always. Just this time. They, they switch it. Uh, whoever's home and whoever's away. Thank oh, you. So, okay, who's so, home this year? So uh, Coronado must be home. That's how they get the Correct. press box. Okay. All right. That makes that sense. See, Adrian already knows. And by the way, Adrian went to Franklin. I do know that. The wrong school. Yeah. That's right. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, rooting for the, I'm rooting for Coronado tonight. Are you really? <laughs> no, I have zero rooting interest. Okay. So. That's zero I just want a good – I want <laughs> – I have uh, – I just want a really good game. I like both these teams. I like Coach Walker. I'm a real big fan of Coach Pry. I, I like, like both, both these uh, rosters on both sides. I'm rooting for the West side. That's just who I root for. There you go. You just want to see a great football game. A That's great right. football game yeah. and, um, you know, uh, a game that goes down to the wire. That would be the most fun. That's right. Game. Let's I do it. I see Coronado win. You're going I, don't to about, I don't care about the whole West Side. I want to see Coronado win. You're a you're a T bird, of course, and you're a student athlete. You're now you know you're on the varsity tennis team Got as to a be sophomore. In the pep rally yesterday. All the fall sports get announced during the football pep rally. Oh really? Yeah. Did you get any? Did you get some cheers? A little bit. Did the, the ladies team. go crazy when you were introduced? They didn't introduce the tennis team one by one. Sadly, just oh, the they just team. introduced the whole tennis team together. Yeah. Was it a packed gym? Packed gym. Oh, that sounds like fun. Good for you. All right, and tennis is going well so far. So Very far, well. so good. First successful tournament on Tuesday against Eastlake. That was easy, and then got one tomorrow against Pebble Hills. Uh, at Pebble Hills or at Coronado? At Coronado. What time does it start? It's 3.30. Ooh, so let's see. We get, what time do we get done tomorrow? Um, I get done at 5.30 tomorrow, right? Correct. I might be able to stop by my way home and go watch Lane play. That's right. Sounds good. That sounds like a win. All right. Saturday also against will El Dorado. You, will you be uh, at Coronado as well on Saturday? Mm-hmm. What All time right. is that one? I think 9 to 12. Okay, good to know. So if we show up, are we allowed to watch these matches? Of course. And what do, are there seats for us? Or do we just have to Granada's stand? Granada's got seats. They do? Mm-hmm. Do they sell concessions? Do not sell concessions. So I can bring my BYO, uh, BYOB. Bring okay. your own beer. Bring my own beverage, not beer. Well, yes, okay. it might be beer, but it's going to be in a Yeti, so nobody's going to know. But shh, don't tell anybody, all right? We'll keep it our little secret. Our little secret. May Plus, I have to report you. Who could drink beer at 9 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday? I'm, drinking, I'm still drinking coffee at that time. I'm not. I, I nah, Beer, it starts a little bit later than 9 in the morning, <laughs> so it really does. All right, um, let's talk about everything going on sports-wise right now. A lot happening. This Julio Urias story is a bad situation it's if you're a Dodgers fan. It's the second time it's happened. I know. Is it? I mean, we already pretty much know he's probably not going to be pitching again for the Dodgers. Does he pitch again, period, after what's going on? It's going to be a long time. He's not going to get a big contract anymore. So it kind of resets the whole pitching market for this offseason because he was probably going to be number one. And now you're right because if, let's say he gets a year suspension and suddenly he's 28 or 29 when he's coming back. That's still a big risk, and a lot of teams aren't going to want to bring somebody like that into their clubhouse. Yeah, especially not on the five-year, $170 million deal he was probably going to get. And yet they're still right now blowing away everybody in the NL West and along with the Braves, one of the top two teams to go all the way and, and get to the World Series. That will be a very exciting NL Championship Series. I agree with you. In fact, if it's not the Dodgers and Braves, 
do, do baseball fans lose? Because that should be the series we want to see in the National League. Unless we get something more exciting, baseball fans lose if that happens. And what could be more exciting than Dodgers-Braves? Exactly. So, and the, and the American League, Yankees have won five in a row. I asked this question to Jay Jaffe before you came in. Is it possible, six and a half back of the wild card, could the New York Yankees, with Jason Dominguez, the Martian, and the young kids coming up right now, Austin Wells, could they find themselves playing into a potential wild card spot and despite this crappy 500 season, make the playoffs? I think there is definitely a chance. You're sitting at 69-69 right now. That's average. But um, Aaron Judge, back for you now. He's been great since he came back. And now you have the Martian, Jason Dominguez for you. Garrett Cole, that's a guaranteed win every week. So, yeah, this team has a chance to make some business in the playoffs. Who's going to pitch besides Garrett Cole? That's my worry for the Yankees. You can't trot him out every single game. What about Carlos Rodon? What about the bullpen? You have a very good bullpen. You do. So, really, what you're saying is all you need are five good innings from guys like Rodon, Schmidt, Severino, just to get you into that bullpen and then let uh, let Garrett Cole handle the dirty work. Exactly. Okay. That's good. Um do you still feel good about Baltimore heading into the postseason? I'm very excited about Baltimore. You know, the buzz coming down on them a little bit, especially after the Felix Bautista news. That's a really big hit for you right there. Mm-hmm. But if you can get into a game and you don't have to have a shutdown ninth inning, I'm confident. But without Felix Bautista, that's a big hit. Well, their setup guy, who's now their closer, was having a terrific year before Bautista's injury. and now But now he's, he's not your setup guy. He's your closer. He doesn't necessarily have the strikeout totals that Bautista has, but he's got like a, a one ERA, and he's been automatic as a setup guy. And you're right about one thing. It's a different mindset going from a setup to a closer. It's like the Mets this year. You had... Guys like David Robertson, Brooks Raley, Adam Marvino. Say they all pitched the eighth inning instead of the ninth inning. You had Diaz in the ninth inning. The Mets probably win at least 10 more games this season than you what they have right now. You think the bullpen cost the Mets 10 games? You don't think it was I think the bullpen the has cost stuff. the Mets a lot of games. Okay. Good take. Um, let's talk more American League for a second. American League West. What's going on there? Seattle's hanging around playing 500 ball. The Rangers are in a free fall. And wouldn't you know it, here come the Astros again at the top of the division, which really is no surprise because they just destroyed the Rangers over the last three games. And uh, I think I saw um, um, Abreu just to go crazy yesterday with like seven RBIs. I tweeted out yesterday, and this is going to be about the Rangers. Max shows the last night, three innings, Seven runs. Mm-hmm. The player they traded Max Scherzer for, Luis Angel Acuna, two home runs in Double A last night. That's obviously a little bit off top of what we're talking about, but I'm just trying to say the Rangers' deal for Max Scherzer looks like it's falling apart a little bit, and that's why they're falling apart. The Astros, they're on fire right now. Jose Altuve is looking like one of the best players in baseball yet again. Angels are relevant, but that's besides the point. And the Mariners have been on a tear all month. They have been, and the you know, the Mariners are kind of the team that nobody was expecting. The, the Rangers started hot. You know, people were hoping that they don't completely fall out of the playoff spot. They get in. But this is why the Mets traded Max Scherzer. Scherzer has not been himself this year. Unlike Verlander. He hasn't been himself in his whole Mets career. And no, you've known that. That's true. And Verlander has been, has been pretty good. I mean, if there was one guy you could have kept and hung on to for next year, it would have been Justin Verlander. I agree. The Astros are loving that trade. But Scherzer could ultimately doom the Rangers when it's all said and done. I think he might, and you know they really want him to buy into that two-year option. Do you want him for next year anyways now? What if he blows the whole season for you? Yeah, that's that's a good point. It's true. Locker so. room cancer. Yeah. Um, what are some of your other favorite baseball storylines right now with uh, three weeks left in the season? Some uh, other favorite baseball storylines going on right now. You know, Obviously, the waiver wires are going crazy. Harrison Bader now in the Reds. Luis Giolito or in the Guardians, even though he's done pretty horrible 
the Cleveland Guardians. One um, bad start where he got destroyed if he yeah. gave up like seven runs in, in two or three innings. I know exactly what you're saying. Have we seen Noah Syndergaard get picked up yet? Not yet. We might not, we might not see Noah Syndergaard get ever picked again. up. In a starting position role. He might be. Maybe, ever you again. know what? Here's a wild story for you because this would fit right in with everything they've done. We should make a dollar bet right now that at some point next year, Noah Syndergaard will be in the El Paso Chihuahuas rotation. He will be in the starting rotation for the Chihuahuas. He'll be in the bullpen for a major league team. You think before he becomes a starter in AAA? Without a doubt. Trying to get his stuff back? He well, has too much of an ego to go to the minors. Well, he might not have a choice. Not if nobody's going to give him a job and give him a chance to pitch in the starting rotation. You're going to have to DFA him and he'll say, hey, I'm not going AAA. Well, he's been DFA'd already, right? And no one's picked him up. So that kind of tells you right then and there what's happened. Jerickson Profar was uh, picked up by the Padres. He's with the Chihuahuas. He had a nice little uh, uh, game a couple uh, two That's days hitting, ago. Though. So, yeah. Pitching in AAA is probably way more different. It, it, it's definitely the case. I'm just saying, it'd be wild. Wouldn't it be wild if Noah Syndergaard ends up a Chihuahua? Would. I, I agree. I'm looking. You know, I think it's a possibility. It's right. It's it fits in line with what the Padres always do. They love low risk, high reward types of moves. Exactly. And then one more thing that I want to talk about, and then will be Adolis Garcia on the IL right now. Yeah, it's terrible news for the for the Rangers. It really is. They've had they just blow after blow after blow. First day you lose Josh Young. He's been great. Now they lose a, lose a, a guy that's got 34 home runs and 100 RBIs. So you're basically telling Corey Seager to put the team on his back and carry him. Can't happen. All right. We will come back, get Lane's thoughts on the NFL, which start uh, in less than an hour. Sports Talk continues. But first, let's say hello to Adrian and get uh, a bottom-of-the-hour Sports Center update. All of our listeners know that we will be picking games with Lane Frank starting next week and uh, getting different people in to go up against him head-to-head like we did last year. Excited about that. And Very excited. Looking forward to seeing everybody go head-to-head with you. Also, Enrique Ortiz just messaged us at 600 ESPN El Paso. I can confirm it always gets rowdy with Coronado and Franklin. Go Cougs, says Enrique. I remember having to sit head down leaving the game in the bus. Head down, Adrian. That's rough. Yeah, not surprising. It used to get really bad, like really, really, really bad, I would say, in that 2012 to 2015 period. In fact, it got so bad. Lane, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. My senior year, they did it on a Saturday morning I to try to avoid, avoid fights. So my senior year, you, uh, Franklin Coronado was on Saturday morning, like at 9 in the morning. That's, that's fire. I heard about this today. It was horrible. It contained fights Saturday it's, morning. It did. Terrible. That sounds terrible. All right, um, 6.20, Lions-Chiefs kickoff tonight, right when we're ending the show, by the way. Uh, KC is a four-point favorite, even though Travis Kelsey will not be playing tonight. Look, I like the Lions a lot this season, but I really like the Chiefs. And as much as it's going to hurt Mahomes, he's got enough weapons where I think they'll be able to be fine. Listen, one of my bold takes in the show is that the Lions win over 10 games this year. They're going to be really solid, but it doesn't start tonight. I have the Chiefs. Okay, is it going to be close? I think it's going to be very close, but I got the Chiefs. Adrian? I've got uh, the Chiefs in this one as well. Okay. Uh, I'm looking at some of these other games. Uh, Bengals-Browns. That one intrigues me a little bit. I have the Browns. Do you? I think Joe Burrow, a little bit banged up. Let's see how he connects with his receivers. I like Deshaun Watson, Nick Chubb. Let's get this run game going. Is this going to be a bounce-back year for Deshaun Watson? I don't want to say I hope so because I don't want to get canceled, but Deshaun Watson has a good game. Okay. Um, Also, other games to note, and we'll talk about some of these. Titans-Saints. This one is also a good one to watch. It is. I want to see how Derek Carr handles his new team to begin the season. Let's see how they do with Alvin Kamara. I want to see how Michael Thomas does in his return. It'll be a good game. Who do you like? Saints-Titans. Saints-Titans. Let's go with the Saints. Over the Titans. Close game. Close game. Derek Henry can't do enough. 
49ers-Steelers should be a terrific football game. Uh, thoughts on Joey uh, Nick Bosa's new contract? Massive deal for him. That's great for him to be the highest-paid defense player ever. So, yeah, I had this being the game of the week, pretty much. I think it's going to be a thriller. Great coaching matchup, great quarterback matchup. Kenny Pickett and George Pickens, it's a great duo. But my Super Bowl champs, San Francisco 49ers, they win this one. Okay, so you think Brock Purdy picks it right up where he left off last season? Brock Purdy picks it up, they win this one. Man. Does Brock, Brock Purdy finish the season as their starting quarterback, or does Sam Darnold step in at some point? Brock Purdy has never lost a game as a starting quarterback where he started and finished it, and that's going to stay away for a while. If Sam Darnold takes over as quarterback at the end of this year, the 49ers are not, and I repeat, not going to the Super Bowl. Do we still have our bet going from last year that Sam Darnold will have a better career than Kenny Pickett? We can, sure. Let's I mean, keep it we going. can. We, can we signed it last through, year. Through, we can end this uh, when you graduate high school. You've got three years. We're fine with that one. I still believe yes, Pickett will have a better career than Sam Darnold. I still believe Darnold. Okay, that's nice. I like that. We're, that's, a, that's a good bet. What are we betting? A nice dinner. Fair enough. What do you like to eat? You like steak? Sure. What, what's your fa- What's your favorite meal? Favorite meal? Steak. Is that is that your favorite meal? Exactly. All right, we're good. All we'll right. figure something out. Three just double, years. Just double check. Sam Darnold has one Super Bowl, and Kenny Pickett hasn't. That'll be your graduation gift. All right, let's keep <laughs> uh, let's keep moving on with some of the other great storylines. Um, Raiders Broncos intrigues me just because it's the Jimmy Garoppolo debut mm-hmm. with Vegas, and I want to see what Sean Payton does with the Broncos. This game is either going to be really smooth or really sloppy because both teams a little bit intriguing. I think the Raiders, that run game, is really solid. But my show, I pick Broncos. Let's ride out. Go Broncos. Broncos what a, country. Let's ride. What about Mac Jones in New England and knowing now he's the quarterback and they've, they've gotten rid of every other quarterback on the roster. Bailey Zappi was re-signed to the practice squad. They're hosting the Eagles. Will they give the defending uh, NFC champs a, a run for their money? Eagles defense is too much. Eagles offense is too much. What you want to look out for in this game, how does the Eagles run game do? I'm excited to see that. Dolphins Chargers should be amazing. It should be an amazing game. Right? Tua going up against um, Herbert, two of the better young quarterbacks in the NFL. I think it's going to take that Kellen Moore offense a few weeks to get those wheels going, so I'm going to go with the Dolphins in this one. Do you think Kellen Moore will be able to succeed as a head coach? I think he can get Justin Herbert to 50 touchdowns a year. Wow. that's a Now that's a bold prediction. 50, huh? 50. All right. Um, is Quinton Johnson going to be a star? Quinton Johnson picked him up in most of my fantasy leagues. He is a star. Okay. Um, Adrian is freaking out about the Rams-Seahawks game. As a Rams fan, he thinks that this is the beginning of the end. Like, he's not even looking forward to the season. Right. He basically said, just scrap the year. The Rams are done. Do you believe that, or do you think they have – do you think McVay has a couple of tricks up his sleeve? I think McVay's got a couple of tricks up his sleeve. The Rams win this one over the Seahawks. Geno Smith will play in this one. Jack Smith and Jigba's questionable. But the run game for Seattle, too many guys are banged up. Let's go with the Rams in this one. Thank you, Lane. How about that? Adrian even didn't even pick the Rams. He's a Rams fan. It's terrible. It is terrible. I end. pick my teams. Okay. So let's well, see Giants Cowboys next. Let's do it because you just heard Lee Sterling before we came back to you. Lee went against the Giants and thinks that the Cowboys own them as he discussed in his breakdown. What do you think? This was a big debate we had last year where I would say my New York Giants. You can correct me say the New York Giants. So let's go with the New York football Giants will win over the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night. It's going to be a good game. Dak Prescott, I think this is the beginning of the end for the Dak Prescott era in, uh, in Dallas. You Giants do. One. What, now, and by the way, if it's the, beginning of, if it's the beginning of the end of the Dak Prescott era, then it's definitely the end of the Mike McCarthy era. I think so. Because they go together. Maybe not, though. Maybe Trey Lance has a great year. Well, but McCarthy, oh, so you think that maybe, you think that uh, they bench Prescott or does he get hurt? 
I just think that this is such a talented team. Yep. They got to get the quarterback position right. I don't know if that's Lance. I don't think it's Prescott, and it might be a guy in the draft. Or is it Cooper Rush, who actually did really well last I year when he was running that. the team? I also mentioned that. Okay. So, yeah. We'll see. All right, so the Giants are going to win. Uh, can the Giants win the division? Giants could definitely win this division. I want to see how the Commanders do because they're a really iffy team. Mm-hmm. Sam Howell doesn't do well. This team has a great potential to go 0-17. But if he does well, then they got a chance to go maybe 9-8, something around those lines. Eagles like- more than likely are going to win this division, but Giants could get second. I like Sam Howell. I do. I like Sam Howell, too. I don't want to see them go 0-17. I just think if he fails, this team has nothing. Yeah. Sam's got some moxie. I like that. Uh, Jets-Bills, what's going to happen Monday night? I got a little bit of hard knocks fever right now. Let's go with the Jets over the Bills. Look at him. Hard knocks fever for Lane. I, I like, like this. I like this. Are you getting an Aaron Rodgers jersey like I am? Not getting an Aaron Rodgers jersey. You sure? Maybe I should get one. You should. Okay. We'll wear them together on uh, Monday night for the game. That's good. Uh, episode 135 drops tomorrow. You've got lots of football. You said it earlier. Football, football, more football. Yep. And then got tonight football game. So, yeah, it'll be fun. Excellent. Hey, I got to thank uh, our sponsors, River Oaks Properties, for uh, sponsoring the studio, sponsoring your visits every single week. And by the way, they keep building out in El Paso. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but they've got uh, shopping centers all over town. They've got uh, the beautiful shopping center on the west side over here at uh, Paseo del Norte and Cimarron. They've got one everywhere else on the east side and uh, plenty of uh, businesses coming in. And I'm kind of excited to see who's going to be coming in El Paso here in the uh, near future. Hey, you know more than me. Okay, well, listen, folks, if you want more information, you can check them out at River Oaks Properties and Schoolyard Sports. Uh, you played that off like a champ. Good to see you. Enjoy the West Side Bowl. Don't get your uh, butt beat up. Just, you know, stay out of trouble. You got too much on the line with a tennis career, and we'll see you back here next Podcast week. Podcast crew, too. Yeah, and, the, and what, what's more? Final okay. score. Yeah, final score of the West Side Bowl. Good job, Adrian. Let's go with Coronado. 17 to 13. Wow. A low score game. A low scoring. You think Cornell's defense is going to hold Franklin of 13 points? I think so. Four Franklin running back numbers. out for the rest of the season. Some interesting stuff going on in the Coronado offense right now. I got some insider information that I will not share on here, but uh, yeah, it'll be a good game. Oh, he's always got it. He's, you're leaving us with inside information you're not going to share. All right, listen. Cannot share. You got, you got 20 minutes to get to kickoff. Get out there to the Sun Bowl. We'll see you next week. All right. Talk good time, you guys. You too. He's Lane Frank joining us. Come back. Wrap up hour two in a moment. And Adrian Broaddus. All right. So we've got 30 minutes to go here on Sports Talk. If you are a fan of football, and I'm not talking about the NFL starting up in about 15, 20 minutes. I'm talking about uh, um, the sport that has captured the world. Welcome to Wrexham is a uh, show that has also caught, I think, uh, everybody by by storm. It is a terrific uh, you know, reality-based show. That focuses on um, Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds purchasing a football club in terms of Wrexham that, uh, you know, didn't really have a lot of expectations. And man, oh man, the journey has caught everybody um, and, and captivated so many people that we've got not only season one, but season two next week. In fact, joining us uh, right now on our 600 ESPN uh, El Paso hotline, our Roto-Rooter hotline, is Humphrey Carr. He is the executive director of WAFC, as well as a consulting producer on the program. Humphrey, welcome to the show. And uh, first off, uh, congratulations on the success of this uh, endeavor, which 
I don't know. Did you ever expect the kind of reaction that you've been able to get once you started working uh, with the club? Hi, Steve. Um, well, I mean, in, in short, no. I don't think um, – I think this may be the first time ever that anybody associated with a League Two club based in North Wales has ever been on El Paso area radio. Um, normally, people across the globe don't care about us very much. Um, but, yeah, as you said, we, we've been really thrilled by the degree to which – People around the world have been intrigued by the story, have been moved by the story, and have wanted to follow us on our journey. Absolutely. You mean, you know, and especially for you, you're an actor and a writer. So now you're a football executive. When when you were yeah. first approached about this idea, did it take a little sales pitch to get you on board, or um, were you immediately intrigued by the opportunity? Well, I think it took me a while to believe it was really going to happen. This was, a, this was something that was born out of, you know, one of those kind of conversations we were having during all the, the, the COVID lockdowns of 2020 where, where people were, were hanging out and, and having those conversations you normally have in a bar or a pub and, and you think, oh, yeah, it'd be fun. It'd be really fun if we bought a football team. That sounds, that sounds great, but it's not really going to happen, is it? So I was all in from the jump, but I just it, it took me a while to believe it was really going beyond just idle conversation well when you talk about a club i guess wrexham is really not just a club right third oldest professional football club in the world and it's a town in in north wales where they have diehard fans that that really live and die with the club which is something you see a lot when you're talking about uh the sport of football in europe yeah we don't we don't have big rivals in terms of um uh, interest, right? So, so you know, for you guys, you've got you've got the Cowboys, you've got the Rangers, you know, you've got. Um, I'm ashamed to say, I don't know what the hockey team is in Texas. I don't know if hockey is a big sport in Texas, but you know, traditionally, people are fans of multiple sports, multiple disciplines. Got uh, the Rockets, say, for example. If you're a Texan, you've got so many different great sports teams to root for. In the UK, we basically just have our soccer teams. You know, that is that's what, what you care about, and you care about it. 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. You're not splitting that love with with other organizations or even college football teams. You know, it is it's just this. So, yeah, it, it, we are the center of the community in many respects. We are a source of pride. Um, we are a source of identity, and all of that is is very powerful. Humphrey Carr is the executive director of uh, of uh, Wrexham uh, FC, and he joins us uh, here on, on Sports Talk. In fact, next week, Welcome to Wrexham will be starting season number two, um, and it kicks off next week and uh, it follows the journey, which, by the way, um, when you're dealing with a, a group of professional athletes playing in, in a sport like football, getting them to buy into having cameras around them 24-7, that's not easy to do. In fact, I'll I'll even give you an example here, Humphrey. And you know, in the states, we just finished the New York Jets and uh, Hard Knocks, the uh, HBO series that gives uh, you know a look behind the scenes to a football team. They didn't want that. They said originally, "No, we don't want the cameras. We don't we want no part of it." But the NFL basically made them, so they did it. So, when you pitch the idea to the club, were the, did, did it take a little while for the athletes themselves to get comfortable realizing that they were going to be filmed uh, quite a bit uh, during the course of these last couple seasons? Yeah, I think I think the guys, the documentary crew, the people on the ground that were filming everything did a really great job of 
you know, getting the players to trust them, getting them to open up, getting them to understand that this wasn't a... No one was looking to come in and do a hatchet job on them. Mm-hmm. It was purely a case of looking to, uh, you know, tell their story in the best possible way. What about for you? Even though acting and writing yeah. has, has always been kind of your uh, your career, did you grow up a big football fan? And was it something that, you know, like so many people uh, you know, living, living in England, uh, I mean, you had your team and, you know, you had your passion. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, football. I was kind of late to, to to football. I was, I was an arty kid. I liked running around pretending to be a dinosaur in the playgrounds until I was about twelve or thirteen, and then I caught the bug and I caught it late. And I had that kind of very, um, uh, you know, evangelical approach. It was it, it it blew my mind. I was I was a born again soccer fan and uh, and football fan, and so it, it has been a huge part of my life. My poor wife on our first. Uh, ever date she had to listen to me talking about Steven Gerrard at great length and how he was my my big hero and um it, it shaped my life in so many ways just to, to wind up working in in soccer and football is is a dream come true well especially knowing now you're you're essentially you have two homes i mean one home is la um, yeah. and, and the other home is Wrexham. So here you are and you're, you're, you're piling up your frequent flyer miles going back and forth. And essentially, uh, you know, that's got to be a little bit of a challenge in itself, right? Definitely. And, and, you know, I'm incredibly lucky because my wife is, is very supportive. I mean, to be fair, she's been married to a rarely employed actor for, for 10 years. And, and so just getting me out of the house, I think, is, is a huge bonus for her. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm very grateful. It is hard. It's, it's, it's um, it's a long way, but it is. Wrexham has become a home away from home, and, and the welcome that I received there, I think that's something that people who watch the series really, I think, see come through is this incredible uh, welcoming nature of, of Wrexham and Wrexham people. And, you know, we've seen so many folks coming over from the U.S. now to come to games, and I, I think they've all received this pretty extraordinary welcome from people who you know, in many circumstances, you might think would be would be overly protective or wanting to keep their club the way it's always been, but they just love sharing it with people, which is which is incredible. How about the community itself? How have they been uh, towards all the attention that they've been getting? Because uh, that's not you know something that that normally happens to a working class town. So how have they received all of, all all of this? Do you know, what? I mean, so far I think to speak for them, they've loved it because. They love this football club. They love this town. And, and when they see people from all over the world coming in and, and sharing a love for it, that's a very unifying thing. You know, I think one of the great things about sport, as, as you know, is, is it brings people together. It allows you to, if you get, you know, if you're from Texas and you go get in a cab in, in New York, you can talk sports with, with the cab driver. If you, if you go to Canberra in Australia, you can talk about sports with the, with the driver there. It's, it's a brilliant unifying thing and and Sticking with the community, I uh, want to ask you specifically about uh, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney. Are they looked as just kind of like Hollywood stars by the community, or are they kind of embraced with the empathy and the gratitude that those two uh, actors show throughout the series, at least from the first season? Oh, for sure. I mean, like, you know, Rob, Rob and Ryan, to a certain extent, in a, in a very direction. Um, financially it would have struggled to survive uh, and so in, in doing that for them to be very popular but then as you say the attitude they brought to it which is 
so positive and very humble and is as interested in the community as they are in the team. You know, all of that has added up to make them, yeah, very beloved figures. Humphrey, meanwhile, uh, last question, because the series uh, will drop again five days from now, next Tuesday on FX, and you could stream it on Hulu. If you watch the first season and you were captivated by what you had a chance to see, is it going to be more of the same in season two, or do you have some surprises uh, for the audience? I mean, listen, there'll be, there'll be lots, of, lots of what people love from the first series. I think, for me, the stuff I love watching was the, the stuff about the players and about the people in the town. That's that's always more interesting than the Hollywood folks, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and there's a lot more of that. But, yeah, there, there are more twists and turns. And the strange thing about being at a football club is just so much happens, both on the pitch, off the pitch. So, yeah, there'll be plenty of, uh, plenty of familiar faces and lots of new ones as well. Awesome. Again, uh, Rex MFC Executive Director, Consulting Producer, Humphrey Carr with us here on the show. Appreciate the time. Hey, enjoyed it a lot, and hopefully we can get you out to El Paso one of these days, and you can uh, watch uh, a locomotive USL match and then go right across the border and sure. go see FC Juarez play in the uh, Mexican Premier League. I would love that. Brilliant. Thank you, Steve. You got it. All right, from Humphrey Carr, right back to uh, plenty more of your phone calls at 505-6009, our telephone number here on Sports Talk. Enjoyed that. And that's a, it's a wild story. It really is. You imagine you're a writer, you're an actor, and then all of a sudden you get thrust into a project like this where you're dealing with a professional football club. It's like a real-life Ted Lasso situation. It really is. And the fact that the community embraces this, they don't resist the access to all the cameras and all the publicity behind it. I think that's cool. I think it's cool that, to shine a light on a football club that has so much history like this out in uh, you know London like this. Will we see more celebrities invest in football clubs in Europe? That's another good storyline. You never True. know. All right. 14 pass. We'll take a break. Come back. And when we return, Tim Haggerty will join us as we wrap up Sports Talk here on a Thursday with 600 ESPN El Paso. Steve, the El Paso Metroplex, we're going to wrap things up on a good note because we have no crashes. We're on 